The jig is up. The word is out. There's no putting the cat back in the bag. All of the idioms about that sort of thing. Why are you keeping cats in bags? Well, because you need a pig and a poke. I got more of these. Because you're going uh, to St. Ives! Yes, that's right. I need to get several more then. <laughs> no, 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 I'm coming from St. Ives if I have the cats Aha, in it's a trick! It's, uh, it's a trick. Um, say I take my empty sack to St. Ives and get it filled with cats <laughs> and then pick up a few wives while I'm there. St. Ives, famous for its surplus of cats. Of cats and women. And um, really good bath products, interestingly. What? <laughs> Hey there, story fans. Welcome to Almost Plausible, the podcast where we take pre-existing movies and come up with sequels to them. At least, that's what we're doing today. My name is Thomas J. Brown. Also with me are Emily. Hey, guys. And F. Paul Shepard. Happy to be here. On today's show, in case you couldn't tell, we're taking a bit of a departure from our normal format. Instead of choosing an everyday object to create a movie about, we've decided to take the 1996 film Space Jam and come up with a sequel to that. Why, you might ask? After all, Space Jam already has a sequel. It came out last year. To that, we can only reply, Have you seen Space Jam A New Legacy? It's not exactly the pinnacle of cinema. Surely we can do better, right? I mean, the original Space Jam was also not the pinnacle of cinema, <laughs> but it was better than A New Legacy. Well, let's talk about those. Obviously, for our purposes, we're throwing New Legacy out the window and just pretending it doesn't exist. I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it may as well not. It's a waste of however long that film is. It's a waste of potential. It's a waste yeah. of the goodwill Space Jam had accrued since yeah. 1996. Yeah. And it's a waste of time because it's so long. Unbelievable how long the new legacy is compared to the original. Yeah, it felt so much longer. Like the original, if you don't count credits, is 79 minutes long. That is a tight movie. That is much shorter than you're imagining it. If you watched it when you were younger, it must have seemed like more of a movie, but it wasn't. It was no. not even 80 minutes long. Space Jam A New Legacy is 115 minutes. I suspect that includes credits, but still. Yeah, it's still too long. Well, what are things we liked about the original Space Jam movie? I think there is a lot to like there. The soundtrack. Yo, soundtrack sure. is amazing. Yeah. And we all remember how awesome the website was. <laughs> the classic website that lasted until this new terrible movie came over. Wrecked it. Ooh, ooh. They had a website? They never took it down. Yeah. It was what? the 1996 original Space Jam website, and it was just always there. Like Abe yeah. Vigoda. It just <gasps> <Yeah>. <laughs> lasted so much longer than you thought it was going to. Oh, I'm sad I missed out on that. Yes. I mean, we have... You know, in the, in the internet archive, I can speak. It's not the same. It's not the it same. It used to be the live website. Yeah. It was unchanged. You'd go to spacejam.com. It was a perfect time capsule. Yes. Of websites of that era. In fact, it was actually quite good for a website of that era. Yes. But it, you're right. It was a great snapshot of this is how websites used to look. Yeah. And then the new one came along and wrecked it. Yes. That's the problem with the new one is that it ruined, <laughs> it everything, ruined everything forever. Yeah. It can never be undone, but we're going to try and undo it <laughs> tonight. Well, there's the, the joy of Looney Tunes characters. What's not to love about them being themselves in movies? That was always a positive for me. And to see them on the big screen. Yeah. I mean, we're used to seeing them on television. They were a little more slicked up too, a little right, shinier. Right. Yeah. A little bit of 3D shading yeah. on their 2D characters. 
I liked that interaction, the live action interacting with cartoons, Roger Rabbit style. Yeah, not done quite as well as Roger Rabbit. Nothing was done quite as well as Roger Rabbit. Roger Rabbit had the bump the light. Right. All right. So apart from the killer soundtrack and short (laughs) runtime, what are some other elements of the first film? Those were my main two. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how does it work as a story, do we think? It's very tight as a story. It doesn't have much tangents. It's just the Looney Tunes are in trouble. They challenge the Moron Mountain folk. Uh, what were they called? Mr. Swackhammer. No, no, no. Not the... Oh, the little guys are called... Monsters. That's what they are later. Oh. They are called... I have it right here. Hold the on, Nerd hold on, hold on. Lingers or something? The Nerdlocks. Nerdlocks. They're called Nerdlocks for some reason. So they challenge the Nerdlocks to basketball because the Nerdlocks are short. Right. And don't know what basketball is. So they don't think, know what basketball is. They think they'll be able to dunk on them. Is <sighs> Yeah. But then they turn into the Monstars and then they're in trouble. So then they need help and they go to Michael Jordan, the most famous basketball player at the time. Except not in the film. And that's why the Nerdlucks don't grab his skills is because they see him and they're like, oh, that's a baseball player. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, there wasn't any side tangents. There wasn't any family drama. Yeah. Right. Obviously, they had Michael Jordan, him being, as you said, the greatest basketball player at the time. Who do we get for our film? I have no idea. I don't know who the popular basketball players are right now. I say we go for a more ensemble cast. Yeah, I agree. Because we don't have, I mean, I don't think there is that one greatest basketball player anymore. Not in the same way. Not in the same way. Not anymore. No, he unfortunately passed prematurely two years ago. Mm, Too soon. Yeah. So yeah, I don't have specific suggestions over who we get. I haven't watched sports since the 90s, so I don't know who anyone is. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that's a problem with all three of us is we don't know specific people. (laughs) Why did we pick a sports ball movie? Yeah, really. (laughs) What are some things? Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, maybe we change it from Space Jam to not be about Basketball Jam, but about a progressive rock band. Ooh. Or maybe they start like a sandwich toppings business. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have to throw out my pitches now. <laughs> None of them match anymore. I think the only way you can realistically do a Space Jam sequel, it's going to have to be basketball, unfortunately. 100%, yeah. Because that's what people expect. Exactly. I mean, they did a bunch of other sports for the Airbud sequels. They did a lot of things for the Airbud sequels. <laughs> do all of them involve air, though? Because Jam is a basketball term. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, that was one of the things that I was thinking about. You have to have basketball because of the jam and you have to have aliens or something like that because Because of space. space. It's why it's space jam. So whatever we come up with, it needs to include that. Let's talk briefly about space jam, a new legacy and what it got right and the things that definitely got wrong because we don't want to make the same mistake. Here's my list of everything it got right. And now here's my list of everything it got wrong. Okay, Okay, the Michael B. Jordan joke was funny. The Michael B. Jordan joke was okay. It wasn't the one time that I laughed. The one time that I laughed was at Granny saying game blouses. But that's not a joke. That's just a reference to (laughs) Chappelle's show. It's not a thing kids would get. All the references were old people references and not jokes. True. Now, the original Space Jam did have references. They did uh, Pulp Fiction out of nowhere for five seconds. But it wasn't just that. The original Space Jam had actual jokes. It actually had adult jokes that I did not remember. (laughs) Watching it recently, I was like, oh, wow. I couldn't believe they got away with that. But, I mean, kids wouldn't get it. So it's fine. That was an all-ages movie. Right. And Looney Tunes is known for making those jokes. Yeah. They've always gotten away with it. 
So we got to have some of those. Yes, definitely. And I think that's one of the things that I don't know how much we're going to be coming up with that sort of thing. It's very specific. Yeah. A lot of the jokes. And in fact, a lot of the jokes are specific to the individual characters. So the sequel did not have anything to do with space. Right. Yeah, that was another thing that irritated me. That was weird, yeah. Was only barely about basketball. <laughs> yes. It was about basketball because the main character plays basketball. Yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> I did not like how they portrayed LeBron James, and I can't believe he was like, oh yeah, I can totally do this. That's Why would you want to be portrayed as a aggressively asshole father from the get-go? You can't follow your own dreams. You can't want other things. Life is basketball. You are just my mini me. Let's continue the legacy. Yeah. A new legacy. Hey, roll credits. Hey. <laughs> so we know we need space and we know we need basketball. Do we have any ideas for a story? I mean, I have lots of ideas for stories. <laughs> so Swackhammer was the villain in the yeah. first one. But Danny DeVito surely is too old to be acting anymore. <laughs> How many seasons of Sunny is there? <laughs> like 200. It's, it goes on forever. But let's say we get his son, Swackhammer mm. Jr. or daughter, whoever, who comes back and challenges the Looney Tunes again for some prize or for some stakes. I don't know. To be determined. But that's your space. That's your antagonist. This is a sequel. So they want a rematch in the movie. That's how you keep basketball. You keep space. Yeah, I think the one thing that you're going to run up against is that the Nerdlocks have switched over to the Looney Tunes side. So. Oh, yeah. They're not the players on the other side. It's, so right. it's just Swackhammer Jr. shows up. Right. And maybe they have robot minions or something because the Nerdlocks aren't following Swackhammer anymore. So they, they well, how much of the pitch do you want me to go into? Go, go for it. Keep okay, going. So Keep going. Swackhammer shows up. Swackhammer Jr. shows up, offers them something in order to get them to agree to a rematch. They do. They immediately go out. The tunes immediately go out and uh, have tryouts and recruit a team of NBA all stars. This is where you get your ensemble cast. So yeah. not just Michael Jordan, but you have five NBA players. And then when it comes time for the game, the enemy team is revealed. And Swackhammer Jr. comes out and mind controls the NBA team that they just put together. So that mm. becomes his team or her team. And so they now just the tunes have to play defensively while they run out and try to get more players like players that they just rejected. Because uh, I imagine a lot of NBA players wanted to be in Space Jam, too. And then they didn't make the cut. So you have these second string players suddenly recruited to play against these mind controlled all stars. You know, athlete acting is not famously great. Right. So, you right. know, you have these mind-controlled players. You have them tunified or digitized or however you want to portray it. So it's not the actual person. And they're mind-controlled so they don't speak. This is how you get them to agree to be a cameo. They have a small speaking role at the beginning. And then they're mind-controlled for the majority of the movie. I don't know if I like that. You don't know if you like that? Yeah, I mean, I feel like being mind-controlled works perfectly for mediocre athlete acting. Ah, uh, so yes, they so they do talk. They're already sort of stiff and wooden and not very emotive. Yeah, right, okay. Right. Plus, the point is to, like, show basketball. Why not use the actual basketball players? I see what you're saying. It might take the budget out of bounds. Well, yes, that's assuming that we are worried about things like budget and licensing and... I think what we can aim for is before the studio gets before we get notes from the studio. Okay. Right? This is right, the first right. <laughs> the first draft. Uh -huh. yeah. OK, I think you're spot on, Jeff, with a revenge tale 
I think Swackhammer or Swackhammer Jr. is perfect. It makes perfect sense. I mean, Swackhammer feasibly is still alive or has survived. If you remember to the end of the original film, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen this 30 year old movie, right. <laughs> he basically just gets shot to the moon, not killed or anything. He just gets shot mm. out of the world. Oh, yeah. He doesn't go back to Mars. He goes to the moon. Is it on Mars? Is Isn't it on Mars? Is? I don't know. I don't think it's actually established where it is, is it? Let's see. Moron Mountain. It just says in outer space, the amusement park Moron Mountain. What I was thinking is the first film establishes that humans and toons can move back and forth between the real world and toon world. Mm -hmm. Yes. And the end of the film is Michael Jordan and a whole bunch of cartoons coming off of a cartoon spaceship in the real world. Yes. The jig is up. The word is out. There's no putting the cat back in the bag. All of the idioms about that sort of thing. Why are you keeping cats in bags? Well, because you need a pig and a poke. I got more of these. Because you're going uh, to St. Ives. Yes, that's right. I need to get several more then. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm coming from St. Ives if I have the cats Aha, in bags. It's a trick. It's, uh, it's a trick. Um, See, so I take my empty sack to St. Ives and get it filled with cats <laughs> and then pick up a few wives while I'm there. St. Ives, famous for its surplus of cats. Of cats and women. And um, really good bath products, interestingly. What? <laughs> so Swackhammer survives, and humans know that the Toon World exists, and there is possibility for crossing over. So in my mind, Toon World becomes a sort of amusement park, a destination that humans go to on vacation. And of course, it becomes the most popular thing in the world, because holy crap, it's a whole world... That's, you know, a cartoon world and you can go there and do cartoony things and see all of your favorite Looney Tunes characters and whatnot. You can get exploded and not die. Exactly. You can explode other people and you can explode your, your, your kid brother and it's fine. So basically, Earth now has this giant theme park and Swackhammer has this failing or perhaps completely failed theme park and wants revenge. So the stakes that Swackhammer could propose are... Stealing the theme park, or perhaps Swackhammer comes with an army of robots, zombies, other aliens, whatever, and takes over the theme park. Things like that were kind of what I had in mind. What does Swackhammer have to offer that the tunes would? Because if you think about back to the original one, essentially the Nerdlocks literally hold them at gunpoint. Yeah. Yes. And so Bugs tricks them into playing basketball. They have to give them a chance. He tricks them into giving them an opportunity to not be taken to Moron Mountain. So what does Swackhammer either, what does he dangle in front of them or what does he threaten them with in our film? Or Swackhammer Jr.? Yeah, the antagonist. <laughs> what does the antagonist, the antagonist have? Why do the Toons agree to play again? Does Swackhammer trick them this time? Can Bugs be tricked? So here's the thing about Bugs in the original Space Jam. Classic Bugs would have no trouble dealing with the Nerd Lux entirely on his own. Yeah. The whole reason that he quote unquote struggles against them is just so you can have an ensemble cast with the other Looney Tunes. Sure. Right. So Bugs can't be tricked. Bugs is omnipotent, essentially. Bugs is God. <laughs> yes. So the other thought that I had to sort of help deal with that and maybe get some other tunes featured is trapping Bugs and Daffy and Porky and maybe some of the bigger faces in the human world. And so they can't get back to the Toon world because of something that Swackhammer or the antagonist does. Mm. So we'll see them running around in the human world doing things from time to time, but they can't come and participate and help because you're right. 
So why can't they go into the Toon world if humans can go into the Toon world? What is stopping if Bugs and Daffy can run around in the real world and humans can go to the Toon world? What am I missing? Some kind of mysterious device Swackhammer developed while on the moon and attached to them. Or, you know, he's got a force field generator that he turns on and it traps anybody who's not in is stuck out and anybody who's in is stuck there. So there are a whole bunch of humans, including very famous people. How do you get the basketball players? They're already there. Why are all the basketball players there? Not all of them, just some. So the events of the first film took place in Toon World. There's that big Coliseum on a hill stadium thing. So maybe that's a big tourist attraction and perhaps... Maybe it's an anniversary of that event. And so a whole bunch of NBA players are there as like a promotional thing. Oh, aha. So every year they have a Space Jam at there the Coliseum yeah. and NBA players come to play in the Space Jam. We're just NBA players against tunes or whatever. And you would even very likely have people like Michael Jordan and Larry Bird and older players yeah. who would come and watch. Yeah, exactly. That way you could have cameos of whoever you want. Right. Because they're just in the audience. And because it's a big special event, VIPs are totally normal. Yeah. So this is when Sw the antagonist comes back and is challenging them to a rematch. They want to play in the Space Jam mm. because it is an ongoing thing. Mm. Right. And they've got one of those like big, goofy ass cartoon telescopes so they can see it every year. They see it happening. Right. That's good. That explains why there are players there. That explains why Bugs and Daffy can't help. Right. It creates a barrier. I don't know that it necessarily creates stakes because what is the antagonist threatening? To destroy Toon World with all of the humans in it. Okay. What if it's not a barrier? What if it's like a like a teleportation sphere? So it creates a sphere around them and zaps them somewhere else. Two more on mountain. Mm. Mm, okay. So they're all already there. He's developed some technology to beam the whole Coliseum there. And he's waited until this moment to do it. So Bugs and Daffy and all of them can come back into Toon World, which is where Moron Mountain is, but they'll come back into the Looney Tunes portion of Toon World. Now they have to travel to wherever Moron Mountain is, and we can make that as close or as far as the story necessitates. Mm. And it requires the use of Marv and the Martian spaceship. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. See? And there's not enough room. They're all crammed in there. Mm. Watch your elbows. <laughs> Whatever. Don't touch the red button. Typical Looney Tunes crap. So do we like this idea of them teleporting everything to Moron Mountain to try to revitalize the or go with the original plan? I'm going to make my dad's vision come true. Maybe Swackhammer's there. Original Swackhammer's there all old or beat up. Yeah, he should be there and he should be pushing his son to do this and Swackhammer doesn't want to do oh, it. So we yeah. can take the plot line from Space Jam 2 and put it yeah. where it belongs on the villain side. Yeah, there you go. Mm. But that's kind of the plot from Space Jam 1, where the nerd lucks stop following Swackhammer. I don't object. It's, you know, <laughs> it's like it rhymes. Yeah, I was hey. going to say that it rhymes. Let's, <laughs> I, it, it brings it full circle again, and we just see that Swackhammer is a sad and lonely old man. I think it, it reinforces the message of the first film. Right. Swackhammer gets ejected once again, this time from his own planet. Ooh. That's good. Oh, now I'm yeah. fully on board <laughs> teleporting the Coliseum to Moron Mountain. Oh, and it were, it's super popular. Moron Mountain starts making money hand over fist. All those weird little Cyclops creatures or whatever they were are coming to see. Is there a way that they're forcing? Cattle prods. <laughs> I, I was going to say some sort of like collar, electric collar, or it's the only way they get food is to perform. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. 
Yeah. You act like you've never seen a Looney Tunes cartoon, Shep. They're full of violence and mayhem. Yeah. I would like, uh, and I know this is out there, I would like there not to be any slavery in the sequel. <laughs> That's my opinion. I, I'm coming out against slavery. That's a <laughs> bold choice for you. What does it say about, about Emily and I, white people, whose go-to was like, yeah, we'll just throw some casual slavery in there. It's fine. We'll put collars on them and force them to work. <laughs> yeah. Shep, it's not slavery. It's just indentured servitude. Uh, so it's fine. It's, it's totally different. I think we might need to be reiterating that slavery is bad. Yeah, in this day and age, it might might be worth mentioning. (laughs) I think that might be a lesson people need to learn. And if it's through cartoon violence, so be it. Well, Well, we'll have it as an option that we would prefer not to use. We'll keep slavery as an option, says Thomas. Put it on a t shirt. Oh my God. We're going to hell. Okay, how long are they on Moron Mountain? How long did the original film take? Like a week? I was thinking it was like a week. Two weeks? Ten days? Okay, let's just say a week. So does our film take a week in total? Or are they there for a week before the climactic event happens? So how are they making them play? Well, they have to be given a chance. That's in the rule book. They already know that. But now it's on Swackhammer's terms. Right. The, now That was an away game. Now oh, it's yeah. a home game. Oh, oh that's, yeah, yeah, that's great. Swackhammer has read the rule book and is like, oh, best two out of three or something like that. Yeah. So teleports them, except for Bugs and Daffy. So it's just the other tunes and whoever's the NBA players and whoever's in the audience. And everyone ends up on Moran Mountain. Everyone's stuck there for a week. The whole audience is stuck there for a week. Yeah. yeah, that's I. So now you can throw in some other recurring characters like Bill Murray was in the first one, who's not a basketball player, but someone famous. And what they do for that week, because they're not training to play in the rematch game. They're just exploring more on mountain, going on rides or whatever, trying <laughs> the food. I think it would that's be funny. F- funny if one of them got left behind at the end. Yes. Because they happen to not be in the Coliseum. Right. They're on one of the rides. They're in the bathroom or something. Uh, on one of the rides, seeing the Coliseum disappear. I'm like, oh, yeah. no. He's on the top of the Ferris wheel. Like, you can see everything. <laughs> oh, that, that's not good. So I imagine Bugs and Daffy, after the Coliseum gets teleported, eventually we cut back to Toon World and Bugs and Daffy are, you know, doing their typical thing where they're walking and sort of arguing with each other. Mm-hmm. Like an old married couple. Right. Right. And there's just like a big divot, like a huge crater where the <laughs> where the Coliseum was. And they're like, huh, <laughs> where'd everybody go? And there's like no one around because everybody was in the Coliseum because it's the big spectacle. And so they call Marvin. Why, why did Marvin not come? He doesn't care. So Marvin wasn't in the Coliseum. Well, we need. Oh, OK. So maybe he is. And they just get a spaceship. But his spaceship is parked outside. They didn't take the parking lot with him. That's good. Right. So they call him on like a tricorder or something. You yeah, have a yeah. Star Trek reference. And he's like, oh, you know, you can use my spaceship to come pick me up. Or maybe they get in. They're like, oh, we need a spaceship. And they see it and they get in and they hit a button and it calls him or something like that. Yeah. But whatever you do, don't press the big red button. So the first thing they do is press the big red button. Fucking Daffy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I said they. I was thinking Daffy. So. It's obviously Daffy. It's, of course it's Daffy. So yeah, Daffy presses the red button. So that's right. how they can't just fly to Moron Mountain immediately. Oh, they yeah. get sent somewhere or something and they have to find their way back. Classic 
it's the random teleport button. Right. Mm. Takes you to some random point in the universe. Well, here's where you have, if you want to have, if you want to plug a bunch of other Warner Brothers properties, this yeah, is yeah. where you do it. They're teleporting randomly. They need yeah. to teleport randomly until they get back to their universe. Okay. You don't just put all of those random properties in the audience. That's, oh God. The sequel is so <laughs> dumb. So it does make more sense because then they can, yeah, like you said, they can go visit Batman, Wonder Woman, whatever. Right. That, here's another thing. Why didn't Superman help them in the sequel? Helping people is his jam. You may even say it's his jam. No, you said it. Yeah. <laughs> that would be really great, too. Like, oh, they have to put together a team of aliens and Superman's there and they're like, what? What are you doing with the alien team? Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> He's technically not from Earth. Dang it. So they're out of the picture. They're, they're the side yeah, story that's yeah. going on. The Coliseum's on Moron Mountain for a week. Yes. Who's training for the game? Because you had NBA players in the Coliseum. You need to have NBA players and Looney Tunes on the team. We could yeah. throw in some WNBA players, too, because they would have wanted really to go and participate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, if this is a thing that happens, you know, this exhibition games going on every year or whatever, you'd absolutely, you'd have the NBA players and the WNBA players. You'd have the Harlem Globetrotters. They're always fun. <gasps> They're that practically cartoons themselves. They yes. Are. There was that whole Harlem Globetrotters cartoon. And they met Scooby-Doo. Yeah. And they appeared in many cartoons. Yeah. So I think they definitely need to be there. Mm. I don't, they've already, that's already been done. Although Space Jam's already been done, so what are we even doing? <laughs> A Space Jam sequel's already been done. You shut your mouth! Okay, so we've got some WNBA players and some NBA players, and they're training up the B-roll Looney Tunes, so we got Granny, Tweety, Sylvester. The classics from the first one, yeah. Yeah. Lola's gotta be there. Yeah. Oh, of course. And Lola's pretty good at, at basketball. Famously. She's now the team captain because Bugs isn't yeah, there. Yeah, because Bugs is gone. She's like, I can do this. We don't need him. We don't need Michael Jordan. We don't need Bugs Bunny. Does she mean that or is she trying to psych herself up? She's trying to psych herself up. There's got to be some WNBA player that she's excited to work with or who is excited to work with her. Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, Lola, I'm a big fan. Yeah, I like that. How many players are there on a team in total? I know it's five on the court at once. 15 players. Each NBA team can have a maximum of 15 players, 13 of which can be active each game. What do the other two do? Just be on the team. They're for moral support. Anyway, I feel like if we have legacy NBA players in the audience, they could be coaches. Yeah. Maybe we have famous coaches, although I think players are more recognizable, more recognizable especially yeah. to lay people. If you had some famous NBA coach, I probably wouldn't know. But you throw Michael Jordan or Larry Bird, any one of those kind of guys up there and I'll go, oh, it's him. So. Yeah. Also, the other thought I had is that they do schoolyard rules where all the potential players are there and then they take turns choosing who they want on their team. Oh, like a pickup game. Yeah. So it's Looney Tunes and NBA players versus Looney Tunes and NBA players. Mm. But who would want to play for or more on Mount? Well, they wouldn't want to play. Here's the problem that I had in the sequel. The audience in the sequel knows that if the kids team wins they're stuck there forever and yet when his team comes out they're cheering and it's like do you understand what's going on it didn't make any sense so if the moron mountain team picks looney tunes or whatever to play for them why would they be trying to win they wouldn't be trying to win it wouldn't make any sense unless they were mind controlled 
I say I, I want to come back to my suggestion that the tunes pick out an all-star team and then that team, those five players, get mind controlled to play on more on Mountain's team. Yeah, I like that idea that the antagonist says you need to put together a team. Uh-huh. So they do. And he says, OK, go to the locker room or my guy will take you to the locker room or something like that to get you fitted for your uniforms. And they put on their uniforms and they come back out with more on mountain uniforms and looking all zombified. And they're like, hey, what what gives? And it's like, oh, you put together a team, my team now put together your team. And they don't realize that that was the instruction. They just assumed that it was their own team they were supposed to be putting together. Right. And it's the unsuspecting uniforms have the control collars built in or something crazy like that. The headbands have a mind control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. That's good. They have to wear it. It's part of the uniform. Yeah. So now that team is NBA and WNBA players. You got your ensemble. Yeah. So then you have professional players versus tunes. Yeah. I mean, there's still going to be a ton of great NBA and WNBA players available. Right. But now it's the second string. It's not the ones that they chose. That's why they struggle in the first half because it's a sports ball movie. They have to be losing in the first half until halftime. Do they? We like to subvert expectations. Hmm. So that, hmm, hmm. Would they be winning against the first choice players? If Swackhammer's goal or the antagonist's goal is to humiliate them, then yeah, he would have the abilities turned down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the bad team has a comeback at the second half. Right. He wants to be the underdog and have the glory of the comeback because it's such a tradition yeah oh yeah because they're the home team yeah why would you do that because everyone loves an underdog they're trying to follow the sports ball movie tropes yeah so what is the halftime speech in the locker room that the dudes <laughs> give if they're winning don't give up keep going we're, we're almost there that's great because when they come back from the second from halftime and the swat camera juniors turned up the skill knob on the mind control device, and they get just dominated by the enemy team. Well, speaking of halftime, it's halftime for us here on Almost Plausible. Under NBA rules, 15 minutes are allowed for a halftime break, but I think we'll need considerably less than that. We'll see you in just a moment. All right, we're back. What else do we need to figure out? Well, I was thinking we need a main character. We Mm. have an ensemble cast, but we don't have a focus. I agree. So let's recap what we have so far. Swackhammer or Swack... No, Swackhammer Jr. Yes, I like that. Comes to Toon World because Toon World is hosting the annual Space Jam exhibition games. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. Space Jam Jamboree. Space Jamboree. There you go. And teleports the entire Coliseum, all the players and the audience, to Moron Mountain to challenge them to a rematch and to take part in Space Jam because they want to win. Swackhammer Jr. wants to impress his or her father and is following in their footsteps. So I've skipped a part. We need to open on a specific player. Pick a player, doesn't matter who, some NBA player that's going to be our protagonist. Have them talking to their wife or whatever. Wife's talking about wanting a bigger family, whatever. And then they go to the Space Jamboree. They're playing in the game, the wife's in the audience. Swackhammer Jr. shows up, teleports everything to Moron Mountain, except Bugs and Daffy, who missed it. They were out for some reason. They had to go get something from the parking lot. You know, Daffy left something in his car. (laughs) 
whatever the reason, they're in the parking lot when it, the stadium gets teleported. I wish I could do a Daffy voice because this would be the perfect time for him to talk about snacks. Hear him smack with that way that he talks. <laughs> Just buy them from the concession stand. Yeah. No, they're so expensive. So he's got a big trench coat full of snacks. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Very Daffy. Yeah. So they break into Marvin the Martian's UFO, but press the wrong button and get teleported randomly around Warner Brothers property universes. Very good. Meanwhile, the Coliseum on Warren Mountain. Swackerman Jr. is there to present them with the challenge, make a team, we're going to have a rematch. And so the tunes go through the players that are there. They pick out the A-list players who then get led into the locker room to change. They put on Moron Mountain uniforms and mind control headbands. <laughs> when the, that A-team is going into the locker room, all of the tunes are like, good luck, hope you win. Because yeah. <laughs> right. they don't know yet. <laughs> right. That's great. So they come out and they're on the wrong team. And yeah. so now the tunes have to put together a second team, which is not their first picks of the players. And this includes the second team includes that main character who maybe wanted. So maybe they didn't make the first like they had some practice games or whatever, and they didn't make the first cut because they don't pass the ball. They mm. are selfish. They keep the ball to themselves. They try to take the shot themselves. They like showboat a lot and stuff. That's their character arc. That's the lesson yeah, they yeah. have to learn is to be part of the team and not try to be because maybe on their team, they're the star player, but they're not on their team right now. Right. And you need to be part of the team, the whole team. That could even be a scene earlier where on when they are on their own team, they kind of hog the ball, right? Oh, the goal on their team is get it to this player. They'll make the oh, shot. Yeah. But I feel like some of the other players maybe are a bit grumbly about that. Well, that's all Michael Jordan was in the, in the right. first one. It's like, get right. it to me. I'll score the winning points at the end. Well, to be fair, that was basically how it worked yeah. when he played because yeah. he was that good. So I'm led to understand because I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so they're a ball hog. They didn't yeah. get picked, but they, they are one of the better players. So they're on the second team and they're winning anyway against the mind controlled players. Yeah. Yeah, for the first half, they're up a few points. Not an overwhelming amount, but some. They're winning when they go into the locker room right. for halftime. It's half a comfortable time. lead. A comfortable lead. So Lola's team captain, she gives the speech in the locker room, like, we're doing really great. Let's keep up the pressure. And then when they come out, Swackhammer Jr. has turned up the skill level on the mind control devices to 11. <laughs> and now they don't, not only do they have all their skill, it's boosted. Mm. And the Moron Mountain team is just dominating. So the Moron Mountain team is taking out players. They're getting injured on the Toon Squad and they're running out of players. So I want to bring mm. back the copy machine that Wiley Coyote had mm. in the sequel that we don't talk about. So our main character... Since there's not enough players, makes copies of themselves. So now mm. you have a squad of five of the same person, and now he's playing cooperatively because he trusts himself. Right. And they are just dominating again. They're doing really well, but they are also getting injured until they're just back down to just the one, the one guy. So now maybe the maybe the copies are really fragile for some reason. Like, well, I want them to last, but I, don't, I want them to also get injured. Right. So they can't continue playing. So it's just the main guy and the whoever has recovered on the Toon Squad, the other NBA players and WNBA players and other Toons. So Lola takes him aside and it's like, hey, remember that trust that you had with your team. You need to keep doing that. You need to keep passing the ball. And he does. That's you have your sports ball f finale. Right. So uh, the main character passes the ball to someone else 
and they win the game at the end. So uh, the main character and their spouse reunite and the other copies of him show up because he, she talked about wanting a larger family. This is where you insert a joke <laughs> that will go over kids' heads. <laughs> we know. So we have Bugs and Daphne and we cut back to them every once in a while. Is Bill Murray with them? <laughs> Bill Murray doesn't act anymore. He's super old. Yeah, we need a Bill Murray-esque person. We have Wayne Knight hanging out with them. <laughs> Stop bringing back old people. <laughs> this is a movie for kids. Whoever's popular now and is young. Mr. Beast. <laughs> He's not an actor. One of the Chris's. Chris Pines, Chris Evans, Chris. Yeah, any of the Chris's. You get Ryan Reynolds, he'll be in absolutely Ooh, anything. Yeah, actually, yeah. Well, because I that, was, that works perfectly. That does work perfectly. I think Ryan Reynolds would be a great choice. I can see him in the backseat. He keeps like leaning in between them. Yeah. And they're like, oh, God, get back. And asking him all kinds of really dumb questions. It's his what fault. What does this do? Yeah. It's his <laughs> fault that Daffy presses the red button. Oh, no. He, I, I think he reaches forward and presses the red button. What does this do? And he presses the button. No, because he's like a Daffy character where he's mischievous. So mm. he's like whispering in Daffy's ear. What does it do, though? Mm, yeah. But what does it do? Don't press it. But why not? What happens? Why would it be there if it says not to press it? But why would you put it there in the first place? If we're not supposed to press it. <laughs> Probably does something really cool. And they just put don't press it so that you won't find out what the cool thing is that it does. Yeah, I can totally see that. It's only for the captain to press. Right. <laughs> You're not in the captain's seat. Maybe you shouldn't press it. And then his jealousy of bugs is what eventually wins over. Yep. Yeah. That's very funny. <laughs> I like it. I had a thought for the celebrity that wanders off and is um, on the Ferris wheel as, as the Coliseum. Paul Rudd. <laughs> it's Paul Rudd. Yes. Yep. <laughs> you can have several celebrities. Right, right. They're like, what are we supposed to do for a week while we're stuck here? And then Paul's like, hey, let's go on the rides. Actually, it'd be kind of funny if there was like a group of celebrities who were all really concerned. And Paul walks up. It's like, hey, guys, what are we doing now? <laughs> and they're like... We gotta figure out how to get back to Earth. He's like, what are you talking about? Like, he hasn't even noticed. Yeah, we're at a theme park. <laughs> yeah. We didn't have to pay to get in. Yeah. You're not taking advantage. I love it. You don't have to pay to get in. He's a rich celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> and then is he like, ooh, churros, and like runs off? Yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so what are the true stakes here? Your team wins. We put the Coliseum back. Your team loses. You all have to stay here. I mean, yeah, what's, why, why are they playing? If we're not going to have them be slaves there, is it the threat of slavery? Yeah, I, I don't like slavery. Right. So what is the threat then? Why? Why are they agreeing to play? Yeah. The stake is they put the Coliseum back if they win. So they get to go home. They if get they to don't, go then they have to stay in. Well, then they're just stuck there. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. It's not the. Well, okay. 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 Swackhammer Jr. teleports the Coliseum there and considers it a done deal. I've succeeded. They're here. They're stuck here. Done. And now let's play. You know, he, he proposes they play the game because he wants that, uh, that honor or prestige or whatever for his dad or their dad, I should say. The tunes are like, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to help you. And he says, OK, well, you're stuck here. You have nothing else to do. So do the tunes say... Are the tunes the ones who set the stakes? All right, well, we'll play your game. But if we win, you have to agree to put the Coliseum back. And in his hubris, because he knows his plan or they know their plan, they agree. Or do we go back to that? It's in the book. Are the nerd lucks there? And they're like, nah, hold on. Remember, it's in Remember, the rule book. It's in the yeah. rule book. You have to give them a chance. That'd be great if we can bring back the rule book for something else as well. Mm. 
what would uh, what would Swackhammer Jr. want to be in the rule book that they have to follow? I don't have any unproblematic answers to that question. <laughs> <laughs> when the NBA players on Swackhammer Jr.'s team get turned up to 11, do they start using cartoon skills? I mean, oh. they are in tune world. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah that's a good suggestion. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do they try, do the tunes try to use the rule book to say like, whoa, you can't do any of that stuff. It's not in the rules. And he's like, well, actually, well, he anticipated that. I don't think the tunes would suggest that. So if you remember the original commercials that led to the original Space Jam, mm -hmm. Bugs it was just breaking rules left and right, mm. not playing the actual game of basketball, swapping out the basketball mid dunk with an anvil. Mm. <laughs> you know, feeding them lit dynamite in popcorn. It was a lot of a lot of very things that that aren't in the rule book. Although Bugs isn't here yet. Right, right. So they need to show up at the end, right? They need to show up at the end because Swackhammer is not going to honor the deal. They're already in Moran Mountain. Oh, yeah. Swackhammer Jr. would honor the deal because it's in the rule book. And their dad is like, no, we're gonna, just going to keep them. We lied. We're not going to send them back. And so this is where you have that rift between parent and child. Mm. Oh, because they're all about the honor of winning. They're big on honor. They've been told that uh, if they won, it would have been this great honor. Mm. And so that's how they're thinking of the world. But lying isn't honorable. Not keeping your word isn't honorable. So their parent is breaking their trust in them. So it's Bugs and Daffy have to show up at the end to somehow steal the teleporter or whatever and teleport the Coliseum back. Does Swackhammer early in the film give their kid a big speech about having to follow the rules? I don't know if Swackhammer would because he's not big on the rules. It was the nerd lucks that were following the rules. But I mean, like his own, like it's his house, his rules, that sort of thing. Like he has his own rules and maybe his rules are completely arbitrary. Mm. But he's like, well, you have to follow the rules. Those are the rules. Mm. I could see that. Yeah. Just yeah, so, so that later he's like, well, you were always saying I have to follow the rules. And he's like, well. Yeah, the rules I make up when I feel like it. <laughs> right. Yeah. My rules and my rule is I'm in charge. Therefore, I rule. Huh. Mm. Sounds like a very cartoon villain. Like. So they win the game and it turns out Swackhammer was lying. He doesn't honor the deal. And then that's when Bugs and Daffy show up. I mean, you have to have the Swackhammer Jr. Swackhammer confrontation before Bugs shows up and solves the problem with his right. omnipotent powers. Right. So does Bugs trick Swackhammer with that classic cartoon thing where it's like back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, and then he pushes it toward him and Swackhammer pushes it back and he goes, fine, and grabs it and hits the button and teleports the whole thing back? I mean, it is a classic. It is yeah. a classic. Oh, do they get the teleporter away and they have to pass it around like it's a basketball? Oh, yes. That's good. Maybe there's like a, it's a two-part thing. You have to put one piece into another piece. It's like putting a ball in a basket. Is that where the, the greedy NBA player tosses it to somebody else? Or is that already solved at that point? I think that we already solved it at that point because their arc is to be a less selfish player to win the game. So this isn't maybe a big thing that goes on for very long. This is just like a couple minute sequence tops. Right. And this is immediately Bugs throws it to this player. This player throws it to somebody else. Like they've right. learned their lesson and this is demonstrating they get it. No more like they're on board with this team right. player thing. Right. Okay. I like that. It's great because you could have a whole bunch of cameos right here where they're just passing it to whomever. People in the audience, other celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> How do Swackhammer and Swackhammer Jr. avoid being teleported back? 
Well, they once they get the teleporter control back before they press the button, they launch Swackhammer uh, in a rocket. Not again. Yeah. Yeah. This time off of his planet. Oh, and the hole in the Coliseum roof is already there. It's just like boarded up or something. <laughs> break through it again. And then does Swackhammer Jr. leave before they teleport? Like willingly just step out of the Coliseum or go yeah, back with them? No, or... they got to they have to run the oh, yeah, amusement that's true. park. Yeah, 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 yeah. So basically they get it back into the thing. It's ready to go. Swackhammer realizes he's stuffed and stops trying to get the teleporter back. And then who, who does the actual launching of or the nerd looks there and they do it again? Yeah, why not? <laughs> We've already talked about them being there before and like. Right. History repeats itself. Yeah. <laughs> when are you going to learn your lesson? Never. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Opens us up for a, it's another sequel. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, is there anything else? I mean, I feel like we've got our movie, right? I, I think we've got it. We've got all the story points. Do you like this better than Space Jam, A New Legacy? Yes, although I that do. bar is very low. <laughs> yeah, I think we stepped right over it. So, yeah. All right, well, we'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show. Was it a slam dunk or did we just commit a foul? Let us know by leaving a comment on our website, reaching out on social media, or sending us an email. Links to all of those can be found at almostplausible.com, where you can also find complete transcripts for every episode, as well as links to the many references we make. And go to the website and leave a comment on who you would want to see as a celebrity cameo. Yes. Take a moment right now to subscribe to the show in your podcatcher of choice. That way you'll never miss a new release. Emily Shep and I will be back on the court next week with another episode of Almost Plausible. How's my Martin the Martian? It's pretty good. It's, it's pretty good. Bad. It's like he's here. Boy, he was, I felt like not himself in the original film. He was very like, oh, excuse me, sir. Yeah. I yeah. always thought of him as much more assertive and he's very demure in the film. Well, the original plan was to have Mickey Mouse as the ref. Mm. That would have been great because it's Toon World. Put all the tunes in there. Right. That would make perfect sense. That was the, so the, well, uh, this is our film with no budget or, or licensing issues. So we can, if we want. <laughs> Oh, gee, guys, we're, we're all kind of busy over here. <laughs> Love to help. <laughs> I thought Marvin the Martian was a great choice for referee. Oh, definitely. He's a tune and he's and an, an alien. alien. Yeah. Yeah. Are the Looney Tunes villains really villains? I mean, like Marvin and Bugs. The, well, not Bugs, but like Daffy, like really straddles the fence there. And um, not the original Daffy. And... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on my soapbox, my Daffy oh, yeah, soapbox. No, not here. original Daffy. No, original Daffy was Daffy. He was Daffy Duck. He was insane. Yeah. He was yeah. just batshit crazy. And I adored him. And then for some reason, he got bitter in the 60s. <laughs> well, they changed his medication. <laughs> they pitted him up against bugs for some reason yeah they pitted, and then he just became bitter and in my personal opinion daffy is the greatest looney tunes character ever to exist and bugs was always the asshole bugs isn't always an asshole but the whole point of bugs is that he gets bullied first so that's why it's mm. okay that he takes asshole measures against whomever because he was the original victim okay because otherwise he's just a bully and an asshole because he's omnipotent again is Bugs Bunny God? I mean, kind of.